behold! The sword of power. Excalibur. Welcome to the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast, the podcast where we talk about the Marvel comic series Excalibur and nothing but Excalibur every week for 126 plus weeks. This week in episode, what episode would this be? It would be episode 573, I believe. <laughs> I I'm bad at this. It's, it's going to get more confusing. I might drop saying the episode numbers because it's just going to get confusing <laughs> in the new year. So we'll see how that yeah, goes. I did like that. the kind of. I know I did like the kind of in joke of it being because Mojo Mayhem screwed up the numbers, but I probably have to let that go. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, welcome, and so nice to see everybody via video. We thought we'd do something a little bit different for a special holiday episode um, before we launch into the Alan Davis run with Excalibur number forty-two next week. So as you all know, of course, I am Dr. Anna Papard. I talk about sex and gender and superheroes and nightcrawler a lot uh, always hustling as his unofficial pr manager and yeah super excited to reflect on the year that was not quite a year of the podcast but almost and it seemed like as good a time as any to to think about where we've been and where we're going in this wild and crazy journey that is rereading and discussing every issue of excalibur i am joined as always by mav where are you, where are you at this week hi I, i'm doing great this is um <laughs> i am happy um this is the most fun i've had all year see yeah i don't know if people understand how my life works and, and you, both of yours um grades yeah. were due like three days ago so i feel wonderful wow. yeah <laughs> i'm like oh i finished uh, i finished grading i answered all the mail from all the students who were like but 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 why don't i you know have um, have a better grade and I go um, I don't know who you are um, you last showed up in class week two and this is week 15 so yeah, yeah you're not doing great sorry um, so I, I answered those and and then since then I've just been wrapping Christmas presents I'm going to do some baking later today uh, I got to record an episode of my other show today which I think Anna are you going to be on, on the oh, yeah okay, so. going to talk about spies today <laughs> yeah so yeah so yeah I'm, I'm doing wonderful I, I've seen movies I saw Matrix last Last night, um, I saw Spider-Man earlier in the week. Um, I, I'm doing. I'm having a great time. I saw the Kingsman. Don't go see the Kingsman. That's a spoiler for the show. It was really bad. <laughs> but, but Matrix was I great. Haven't... Yeah. That's <laughs> with Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah, I've heard both of them have a lot of fan service, but in a good way. If you're into mm -hmm. that type of thing. Yes. Yes. I'm also I noticing like just because we're here, just because we're here, I, I want to address this for anybody who's listening. So, um, 
if you're a fan, you've, if you, you've ever, you know, enjoyed our logo, the Ogash Ogalio Wow logo, which I designed, I guess it's been over a year ago now. Um, now when, um, when you're looking at, uh, Anna and Andrew's names actually in the same font, it becomes much more obvious where I stole the font oh. from <laughs> because your names both start with, with the Avengers a, and <laughs> I was, cause originally when I, when I first did the logo, I had originally done the Excalibur font, but the Excalibur font actually kind of boring when it doesn't just say Excalibur. It doesn't, it, it's just, you know, it, it's just a Gothic font. It's nothing special. So I was like, Oh, okay. I'll, no one will recognize the Avengers font. And now, you know, well, if you use the, the, the actual letter A, it becomes really obvious. So you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks awesome. I'm like, really, I was just going to record like a regular old Zoom conversation. And then you came at me today with the setup. And I was like, oh, my God, that was way better than what I was planning to do. So thank you so much. One and of my many jobs I, I will... was I worked in I worked in television production studio uh, production like 30 years ago. So I know how to do a few things. <laughs> I've had many, many jobs. Hey. I mean, hey, I took a comp tech class where we had to <laughs> edit video onto other video and it gets worse every time you try to do it. And I'm still I'm still shocked that we live in a world where I can make a video on my phone. Like I made that little video about the shirts and I was like, like a total old person about it. I was like, this was amazing. I like got to just add effects and I didn't have to like, anyway, I'm, I'm, I should note too that just full disclosure, I'm like operating on half brain cells because I had my COVID booster yesterday and I did roll myself out of bed and sit myself on my couch to do this episode. But I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to go on a lot of messy tangents today. And plus we're not editing, which makes yeah. it even better. Um, but Andrew, <laughs> we haven't even done your introduction. So please, what's your feeling heading into our video holiday episode? Um, I'm, I should be where Mav is. I submitted <laughs> my grades yesterday. And I should be watching movies and stuff, but my university decided that with two weeks notice, we have to convert our online or so we have to convert our in-person teaching to online for January, yeah. which is not enough time to do that work. Mm -hmm. So now I'm sad that I don't get to go see the Matrix, but That's... I do get to watch Hawkeye, yeah. which had a good finale. So oh, it's I'm, so good. I'm happy. It's so good. It was adorable. Yeah. 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 Um, to, to be fair. I don't know that I, I work for three universities, if our listeners know. And I don't I don't know that none of them will convert to online. It's just that mm. they have not yet. It's entirely possible that, you know, they'll do so and give me a weekend's notice. So. It's, it's impossible. And they're like, do it because the students need it. You like your students, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, but I also like my kids I like to see my kids at Christmas. I'm not caught doing that, but I did like to get caught rushing to do marks. And then, you know, you do that thing, which I'm sure is very familiar to both of you and very familiar to most teachers who might be listening that you're like, oh, once I get the marks in, everything's going to be good. I'll be able to take a break and do all this stuff. And you're like, oh, right. All those other things that I had to do that have January deadlines that I haven't been doing because I've been marking. And then it's just been like overwhelming. And I am living like, in blissful yeah. denial. That's what I'm doing. That's how you do it. <laughs> I, that that is an after Christmas problem. <laughs> Today is I know, 20th. I know. I guess it's Christmas for the listener, but for 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 us, it's the 23rd. So, <laughs> well, uh, let's get into 
talking about whatever I guess we're going to talk about today. So I basically just thought we do, um, a listener suggested that actually, that we should look back on, um, I think they specifically said the Claremont run era, but we've uh, had the Claremont run and then a bit now. So Mm -hmm. we'll reflect back on that entire time. And yeah, just thinking about where we were when we started the podcast and what it's been like doing almost a year of the podcast. We debuted February last year, but this just seemed like a good time to do kind of a retrospective. And yeah, just talk about some of those things. And so I'll, I'll throw some questions at you. And we have some listener questions as well that we'll get to at the end. And we will report on the progress of the t-shirt campaign. We've got some very good news on that front in terms of how much money we've raised. So we will talk about that at the end as well. So... I guess I just wanted to ask you kind of in general, like thinking back to when we were starting the podcast, did it turn into kind of what you thought it would be? Or are you surprised by what it turned into? And I'm I'm very curious about that because we, we really had like loose discussions when we were starting it. We're like, oh, it'll be a week by week thing. We'll just see how it goes. And so I'm curious, I'm curious. For me, it did. <laughs> I, I, well, this is what I wanted. I just didn't think anybody would be listening to us. Like, mm. <laughs> I mean, the show is exactly sort of what when we talked about it, it was just like, well, we could just we could just read each issue and just talk about them week by week. And this is just the way that we talk uh, us. And if, if anybody who's listening has academic scholar friends, particularly well in general, but particularly in comic studies where we're doing something ridiculous as it is. So this is how the three of us would talk about Excalibur, but also, I don't know, Batman, right? Like anything, right? This is, you know, th- th- this is this is the kind of the conversations we'd have. It's like, hey, did you, uh, did you read what, you, you know, what, whatever. And um, we knew about X Twitter. We knew, we knew Claremont run it done well. We, we have two other shows, you know, you guys have a show together and I've got the show <laughs> separate, um, which are fun, but I, I expected to have, maybe 10 percent of the the vox pop episode um audience and maybe 10 percent of of the three the three pc audience and that would be it we'd be doing this for 15 people and just who who remember this ridiculous um comic from 30 years ago (laughs) like it's it's old um and i was like but you know it's special to us but i'm like no one's gonna care about this so the fact that anybody is listening at all much less as many people as are listening and who are excited about it? You're like, oh my gosh, you're going to talk Excalibur. I'm like, yeah, I know why I'm excited about. It. Why are you excited about this? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. always map with the soft sell. Anyway, yeah, go ahead, Andrew. I think for me, the thing that was kind of impressive is the logistical element. Like in academia, when you sign on to collaborate with someone, you know there's maybe a 33 percent chance that that collaboration is actually going to come to fruition so you just say yes to everything oh you want to do this cool yeah but you want to do a speaker series sure i'll be a part of that uh and you assume it'll kind of you know peter out a lot of the time and like when anna was describing what she envisioned i'm just like this sounds amazing but in the back of my head i'm like you can't do a weekly you can't get three academics and a guest to be like scheduled at the same time every week and like the quality of the guests and the stability of the scheduling that, that Anne has been able to put together is genuinely shocking to me yeah. in terms of like basic um, coordination skills and herding sheep <laughs> or cats, if you want. Um, uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I think, I, I can't believe how smoothly this thing has run. I, I thought we were in for a lot of headaches. Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, I, 
I am very uncomfortable with my organizational skills being complimented because I feel like that's not been one of my skills this year. Well, I feel like maybe I've put all of my organizational skills into the podcast and then let everything else slide. Maybe that's what's been going on. It's entirely possible. Well, because, you know, the we all have, to... have been so good. Yeah. Oh, the guests have been great. I mean, I will say like what I kind of was hoping and I thought that this was a pipe dream. I didn't think that we'd be able to pull that off. Really. I was like, okay, well, I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about in this series. Um, and we know a lot of smart, interesting people and yeah. know a lot of people who know a lot of smart, interesting people. And having a podcast is an excuse to reach out to those people. And our mm -hmm. other podcast, Street Panel Contrast, doesn't have guests, of course. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, just starting right from the beginning, I mean, I, I think I started to get a better sense of where kind of I thought was a good place to go with it around episode uh the Excalibur number four episode where we had Sydney Heifler on talking mm -hmm. about romance comic books mm -hmm. and I was like oh I really like this dynamic we could have because originally I was just like thought we'd have trouble getting guests so I just kind of put the word out to all the people that we know hey you want to come on this podcast we're gonna need guests because no one's gonna want to come on this podcast <laughs> and then so we just kind of line people up with whatever they requested or whatever but then after that episode it occurred to me i was like oh right i should be picking a theme for the episodes and trying to recruit somebody who can speak to that specifically mm -hmm. and i mean that's not always necessarily relevant because we do have a mix of kind of critics and fans and scholars um sometimes we just like to have somebody for whom a particular issue or the series as a whole is just really important to them and and sort of make sure we get that angle as well but yeah i do well, it's easier for me to plan what we're going to do on the episodes where it's somebody's like specialty. Like if we can have Dan Yesvik yeah. on to talk about animal comics, you're just right. like, this is perfect because, and, or, you know, we did the, the manga episode with Nimi Okabe and yes. that's great because I, as we talked about in that episode, I'm not good on manga and I can learn a lot just by having Mimi on the podcast too, which mm -hmm. is like, <laughs> it's a little bit of a cheat too, right? Because you're like, I'm learning stuff as we're doing these episodes because we're recruiting these people to talk about their specialty. And how often, even in this world in which everybody has a podcast, how often does somebody really get invited on a podcast to just be like, you know, this thing that you're super passionate about, that's super niche and nerdy. All tell the time. us about that that's for literally what I. That's literally what I do every <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> for a lot of people, they don't get to do that very often. So, you know... Because sometimes when we're reaching out to a guest, I'll be like, oh, God, this is a big ask. They're not going to want to read this comic book and then do this because, you know, a lot of time we have guests that don't know the series either. So they have to read the issue and be like, oh, what is this? But but yeah, people have been super receptive to wanting to do it. And like, I think, well, I think everybody that we've had on has had a good time. They've certainly said they certainly lied to us and said they did anyway. So <laughs> I am amazed at how well and again, this is. I, she's gonna blush and claim she's doing nothing but a lot of behind the scenes is anna uh, andrew you'll agree like this is, like andrew and i show up every week and anna yeah. does a lot does a lot of the planning you do a lot more than that but yeah <laughs> uh, coordination wise like because i do most of the coordinating for my other show and i know how much work it is um and i'm often the, the thing that with the other with the other show is it's not just comics so I can really just every episode is just, hey, whatever we're studying this week, um, I'll just, you know, I'll I, that that episode only exists if I have a guest who wants to talk about that thing. So like when we did the episode, on, we did an episode of Vox Pop on on mixtapes. So the woman who wrote the book on on wrote a book about mixtapes 
she was on the show. And if she had said no, we wouldn't have done it. That was very simple, right? <laughs> it's really, it's really easy to schedule perfectly. That you don't have that luxury planning our show because one way or the other, we're just going to have to deal with Promethium Exchange. That's just something we have to do. And then the fact that you were able to find people who are like, yes, of course I'll come and do that. And it just like, I mean, if you listen to those shows, the joke was that I, I was going to spend three, you know, I spent those three episodes trying to never actually mention about it. But but we had to actually talk about it. And the fact that, you know, anybody was willing to, much less three people were willing to come on and say, yes, I will read this really bad comic and reminisce about it for, with, with you. And I was like, that's amazing. I mean, because it sure, it's easy to find somebody who wants to come on and talk about, you know, the warlord issue or 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 inferno like those are when people are like excited about those but you know um the fact that people are were were super into yeah i just want to be a part of this this sounds great you know and well and some I, people we I'll, don't even I'll, know you know yeah no i know because yeah because we have people reach out and ask me to be on the pod i mean for the promethium exchange episodes in general like in particular i'll just like do a shout out thank you to the comics xf um mm. Uh, community uh, because uh, Andrea and Nola are I got to know them through that and writing reviews for them this year so I kind of just put it in the slack anybody want to come on and they were both right away that they wanted to so, <laughs> so thank you um I guess I don't know I have just a sort of a bunch of like broad questions to mm -hmm. to have us think about and I guess this is a really corny question, but I wanted to ask about stuff we've learned because I do find that I learn stuff week to week and, you know, whether it's about, okay, this is again, going to sound really corny, but like stuff about myself, you know, because we're reevaluating this series that meant a lot to us and revisiting it with these multiple lenses and both within the conversation among ourselves and then with the conversations that we've had with the guests, I've definitely learned things and, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, <laughs> are there things that you learned from from certain episodes or from the experience in general? Yeah, I think, I mean, as you mentioned, the, the individual expertise of the guests has been amazing uh, and getting those different perspectives. And I really like just kind of um, the three different perspectives that we're bringing, because I mean, all I do is talk about Claremont's writing. <laughs> I'm in my head, in his head constantly, right? Mm -hmm. um, so just getting to, you know, see how Mav reads an issue differently than I do uh, and how you do Anna as well. Um, that's been really wonderful for me to start trying to um, get out of my own perspective and think about things from sort of parallax viewpoint. Uh, I think that's been really kind of engrossing for me. And then you throw in the guests and again, it's just, it, it's pretty amazing. Is there, are there any episodes that particularly stand out to you, Andrew, where you were just like, yes. oh, like breakthrough moment? I, I, I want to talk about Mojo Mayhem constantly, but I won't. Um, I you really can. loved on, no, 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 <laughs> um, issue number three, when we were talking about it, I think it was um, me, Brad Mendenhall and Mav. We had this like momentary epiphany as we're reading that scene that like, holy crap, this is a perfect superhero team introduction scene. Uh, and then we're sort of dissecting it in the moment together, all four of us. I, that was really cool for me. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. How about you, Mav? Stuff I... you've learned? I learned something every episode. I uh, same as Andrew. I, I <laughs> when I first got into podcasting, uh, well, my my very first podcast was a photography episode, and it was but it was like very much how to do stuff. And then after that, when we started Vox Pop, it was um, I very much didn't want to do just a comic book show. I was very resistant to doing comic book 
studies as as a podcast because because I do this every day, you know, and and it's tiring, and and I just was like, can I do anything else? Um, but this was like, well, this is something I love, and if nothing else, because we remember we didn't even know how well we were going to do with guests at first, so it's just like, if nothing else, I'll talk to Anna and Andrew about you know Excalibur, we're nerds, it's fine. Um, but um, what I wanted to do with the other show, and what I love about our show is since we have specialists in an area. Like I can learn. I, I mean, I was a manga fan as a kid, but, but I don't know stuff the way Mimi does. It was like, uh, oh, learning stuff. Yay. <laughs> you know, like that, that's, that was kind of awesome. And also just, you know, hearing Steph Burt talk about like her expertise and like every, um, everyone that we've had on has had an alternate perspective, which whether I agree with their reading or not doesn't matter. What matters is being able to just sort of ingest it and sort of get it and um, in ways that make me at least reconsider something. Um, like, you know, like um, <laughs> heresy, I know, but um, I've never been a big fan of Girl School from Heck. I don't like those three issues. Um, I like them better now that we've done three shows on him than I did before. Um, I still, it's still not my favorite run of Excalibur. Um, it's obviously not my least favorite, but, um, but uh, getting to see three different people who seriously enjoy it and seriously see something in it, talk about why was, was nice. Yeah. That one stood out to me too, as I, I'd never hated that storyline the way some people do, but I did know from friends that it sort of means something different to certain other people, depending on your perspective. Definitely that, you know, I had neglected the queer coding of it in my original read like 12 years ago. Um, not that I didn't see it, but I didn't sort of appreciate how that's, significant it is in that story and how significant it is for a lot of people. And revisiting that and really seeing that like was really... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think back to that episode with Valentine that I just like loved so much and her reading of <laughs> Kitty and Phoebe was just like so great. And I just became a hardcore shipper of them. I was like, of course, I love this relationship. I want Phoebe to come back She's, so badly yeah. now. It's so important. <laughs> That's how I was because it's, it's I mean, I don't hate the story. It was just forgettable to me. But listening to Valentine explain in particular, um, explain how much she adores it. Because it's clearly, if you go back and listen to it, it's clearly a very important comic book to her. And it's just yeah. like, and the, not not just the intellectual aspect, um, though that's part of it, but also just her sheer delight talking about it is, you know, yeah. seeing those mixed together. That was really fun for me. I really liked the mystery of the jacket. Yes. It was a fun tangent. <laughs> yes. I know. And like, I hadn't really thought about the significance of that that much. I mean, I thought about it the first time I read it and like, you know, you could see that it has a narrative significance. And I mean, I already, you know, love the panel where Kitty wears it and walks by the other girls. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, going, investigating jacket gate was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I like feel so, so philosophical this week and you know again sort of <laughs> operating on COVID brain not having COVID COVID booster brain I should say sorry <laughs> don't alarm anybody um but but yeah I, like I started this whole kind of journey of getting back into X-Men comics by doing an essay talking about 
why I never talked about Nightcrawler, which was that I was embarrassed to talk about Nightcrawler because mm-hmm. I care too much about this character and some of the ways that I care about the character are embarrassing because, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, for obvious reasons, but I mean, also just that thing that you have as sort of like a woman in like male spaces, but also, you know, a junior academic who's trying to be taken seriously and everything. Like I had a rule for my dissertation about superheroes that I didn't talk about any of my faves in my dissertation. I didn't talk about Nightcrawler. I didn't talk about Daredevil. I didn't talk about Silver Surfer, who are my faves. And I got asked about that actually by the dissertation committee because Okay, honestly, this sounds kind of conceited, but I think it was sort of one of those dissertation, like, you know, um, defenses where they're sort of like, it's fine. And then they just start asking you random questions because they can't think of anything. <laughs> so, um, so, um, so one of the committee members asked me about what my favorite superhero was. And I said at that time, Daredevil. And I always would default to saying Daredevil because I thought it was a cooler choice. And I didn't want to say Nightcrawler because my affection for Nightcrawler is complicated because there are a lot of Nightcrawler comics and portrayals that I really don't identify with and that really bother me a lot. So, you know, Daredevil is a more consistent character for me in that way. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, sort of thinking, continuing to think about the reasons I was embarrassed to discuss some of those things and kind of coming into being more confident in discussing some of those things has been really important for me. And that sounds so navel-gazy, but I mean, I'll I'll back it up a little bit by saying that part of what's been good for that for me, though, too, is, again, getting outside of your own perspective, because I feel like I understand my own perspective better than I did. Um, Like, I think back to something like that Excalibur number four um, episode, and when we talked about sort of issues of consent in the Kurt Megan scene in that conversation, I mean, I knew those issues were there. I put it on the notes, like I knew we were going to talk about it, but still how hard kind of the two of you went on that kind of took me a little bit back and it was a difficult conversation for me in a lot of ways and I don't mean difficult like I was upset but just like it was difficult because I found like I got into sort of justifying my reading of it in ways that again I don't want to use words like uncomfortable because that's too much because I trust both of you and I always enjoy talking to both of you and I never feel uncomfortable in a conversation between us but at the same time it did make me really evaluate my reading of the scene and the certain things that I was neglecting to make my reading work. And I mean, that's okay. Like if you're going to do a subjective reading of something, I think the most important thing is to just acknowledge that it's a subjective reading of the thing, but that's a constant process, right? And it's a constant process to think what are the boundaries of that? And you can't do a proper subjective reading without understanding all the different ways that your reading is subjective. So after we did that episode, I I pitched to Osvaldo Oyola at the Middle Spaces um, an essay about it because I really wanted to, I was like, I got to work through this. Like, I I still really love this scene, but I'm also seeing all the problems in the scene. And yeah, our conversation about it really... I hadn't thought that much about the ways that I invested in the shape-changing metaphor having to do with the Kurt Megan relationship. Like, I always just would quote the fanon thing of like, oh, well, Kurt and Megan was like fun, but like Brian and Megan belong together, blah, blah, blah. I don't ship them, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I ship them, Ooh. I ship, I ship Kurt and, well, that's kind of like the fanon reading that I'd absorbed over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what sorry. you're supposed to say. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> But but yeah, thinking thinking back to just, I don't know, yeah, I'm thinking about the ways that my investments in gender in some of those scenes. Um, Yeah, I I just have learned a lot about the ways that I invest in that character that I didn't know before. And I feel like I said at the end of my essay that I did about Excalibur number four that I like Nightcrawler less 
now than I did in some ways, but I don't really mean that. I think I just mean that, I guess it's like, I just understand the complexity of the affection that I have for the character a bit more yeah. now than I did. And I think that that's been really good for me because, you know, at their best stories are about, well, particularly I find, okay, all stories are like this, but there's a thing with superhero comics where they all represent sort of different ways of being powerful or different ways of sort of being heroic, different ways of being a person in the world. And they distill these things down into bodies and ideas. And so when you're playing in kind of this imaginative space, a lot of what you're doing is sort of negotiating your relationship to other ways of, of being in the world, right? So yeah, there's something particularly productive about thinking about your affection for a favorite character and sort of working through the complexities of that and why they're your favorite character. And it's surprising to realize that what you thought were the reasons weren't necessarily the reasons and you wouldn't necessarily get that unless you're doing an in-depth academic conversation about the thing with like four smart people every week for like a year so i'm very grateful for a lot of those discussions <laughs> i almost felt bad about that episode for and <laughs> not in a, in, in a in a weird way um i, I cut i cut one line from a map and I'll, I'll say what it is in a minute but you well, say your thing first well it's because um when you when when you talked about it, it's just like you were you were bothered by it clearly, but also I the 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 badness was I was like I don't think it's like I don't think it's bad that you like it because it, it is a subjective reading and it yeah. was like there was almost like a, a there was later weeks where you'd be like well okay i recognize that you'd, you'd qualify anytime you talked about kurt for like the next three weeks of you know okay i recognize that he's <laughs> sort of going too far and it's like yeah but the entire point of it is you know the fantasy that you're reading into it is the one you're supposed to read the the way i'm looking at it with problematicness of it is yeah, but I'm a pretty feministy boy reading this 25 years later now yeah. and realizing the internalized, you know, a lot of what I grew up believing was cute male behavior you know, is super toxic, you know, <laughs> and awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, and I don't, I hope, I don't, I don't want to, you know, presume, but I hope that I'm a better person at 47 than i was at 17 um we all do and i hope i wasn't also bad at 17 but i recognize a lot of uh of what i looked at then as oh my god that's great not necessarily great um andrew and i have both talked about you know my favorite x character to this day is Ilyana rasputin everything about Ilyana's story is horrific everything is bad like there's i um, I mean, she is a psychosexual fantasy about a seven-year-old. That's what she is. And the fact that she's turned into a 15-year-old doesn't make it better. Like, literally everything about it is, if you actually think about it, is awful. Like, everything that happens to her. But I still love her. <laughs> and I can't not because she's so formative in my in my reading of comics. I am curious what the thing was that you were going to say you got. <laughs> oh, oh, um... You said something about Nightcrawler in that scene, and you said, I don't remember the exact line, but I know the word incel was involved. You were like, well, it's basically an incel <laughs> fantasy. And I was like, no, Mav, that's going too far. I don't want that word that's the in line. the podcast associated with Nightcrawler. It's getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think Andrew was going to say something I thought, but... <laughs> 
Was I going to what? What? I thought you were going um, to cover up. <laughs> no, I think. Okay. Uh, I, I read Oyana a little differently than Mav does. Um, I don't. This is not the Oyana podcast or the time to defend Oyana. Um, what I would say about the the, the Megan Nightcrawler scene, I, I, I think the more important conclusion is that when you get that more like like layered complex perspective on it the idea that it is both problematic and erotic at the same time i think that's good scholarship you know what i mean like 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 that's what we wanted and the article you produced for the middle spaces is, is, is amazing uh, at capturing that and and showcasing how these things um need to have those layers of complexity in order to work because kurt's character journey isn't just about being attracted to Megan, it's about the sense of shame and guilt that he feels for being attracted to Megan, in particular the way that he's attracted to her. So, so yeah, no, I, I think that was actually a, a productive, horrible conversation. That, that might have <laughs> no, not horrible. Not horrible. A scene that you really liked. It was a good conversation, but you know, at the same time, it was funny because even like listening back to that episode, because I mean, obviously, I listen to it many times when I'm editing it, and I remember at the beginning of the episode, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to talk about this. One of my favorite issues, and then the conversation ended up being kind of like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, it sounds weird in retrospect. My opening for the what the conversation ended up being, but it was a great episode, and it's still one of my favorites, and it's my one of my our most popular ones to this day. If you if it makes you feel better better about that my my version of that is same time it's when when Andrew says about Courtney she's a horrible character and I'm glad she's dead I'm like what the hell is wrong oh. with you <laughs> horrible character she, okay I might have actually she, before Excalibur she was a horrible character and I'm glad she's dead that was pointing to storytelling I was like I'm just like. Well, maybe that leads into something else I wanted to ask you, which was, is there stuff from previous episodes that you're desperate to revisit, you know, like conversations that we've had where there was something that you wanted to add to it or or an aspect of it that you wanted to revisit, you know? I mean, it could be in a way that you weren't satisfied with it, but I want to keep it light today. So, you know, nothing, nothing too intense on that front, because I think we're happy with all of our episodes regardless. But, but yeah, I don't know anything that, that you sort of in retrospect would like to revisit i guess well you're just no. math already said <laughs> I, wow yeah. no, i i like i mean perfect. i like the show i like well, imperfection I, yeah well yeah. yeah, the aesthetic it's there good. are there are times where people um where we'll see comments from listeners uh on twitter where i'm uh, like oh i hadn't considered that but i certainly yeah. don't regret any i mean it's i i like to think of the things that we learn after the show as an extension of the show. The show isn't just, um, yeah. the show isn't the three of us explaining Excalibur. The, the show is the three of us opening up an academic conversation about Excalibur and learning same as everybody else. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, definitely. I've had that response too. like, there were times where, I mean, the one I was thinking about that I kicked myself for about a little bit and it sort of came up because I tweeted about it when we were talking about, this keeps coming up because I know we've talked about it on other episodes, but when we're talking about the gender of the gargoyle in, in Inferno. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember the way that I posed the question is, is the gargoyle male or female? And I really wish I'd posed that differently in terms of I wish I'd said, like, does the gargoyle have a gender? And yeah. I feel like I closed off the conversation by not asking it that way. Mm. And, you know, someone pointed it out on Twitter and I was like, you're absolutely right. I should have asked it that way. And I regret it in retrospect. But that was a good thing because, I mean, I did think about, you know, why I asked it that way and like commit to like not asking such a question that way in the future, which I should have done the first time around because I do know better. But, but yeah. I, I, I mean, 
I agree that that would have been a better way to ask it in retrospect, but the good part about it is because you asked it the way that you did, um, I now read that and consider the gargoyle non-binary. Never had yeah. before. I was surprised when you asked it because I was like, well, the gargoyle is clearly a boy. Who doesn't think the gargoyle is a boy? <laughs> Kurt's flirting with this boy gargoyle. What's wrong? And, and, then when you, and then I think both of you, and who was the guest that week? I don't remember. But like I think everybody else, everybody else was like, it, it was oh. with, it was with Matt Linton, I think. Wasn't okay, it? maybe because I I remember everybody else was like, oh, it's a girl, and I'm like, it, it is. <laughs> I was shocked. So um, I mean, uh, yeah, I liked the conversation we ended up mm -hmm. having about it, and, and like I do know why I asked it that way because I was making a presumption that the comic book would present gender in a binary fashion, being a comic book from mm -hmm. 1990, and that's why I asked it that way. But I still wish I had asked it differently. Mm -hmm. Because we kind of got to that place with it, you know, that yeah. it's ambiguous, but like at the same time. Yeah. That was a cool And then one. just like other other little things that will like make me mad. Like, you know, one of our listeners pointed out that we didn't talk about the Bride of Frankenstein imagery with Megan and Inferno. And I was like, Mav was like, I had a note about it, but we forgot. And like, I was like, shoot, because it would have been such a good like thread to talk about. I mean, our show could be six hours every week and... Mm -hmm. we'd have fun but i think everybody else would be like why <laughs> and, and maybe and i'm sure our listeners would be like no no do more no uh, the editing alone would kill anna um but, <laughs> but it already does <laughs> yeah but um I, I just there's always more which again is it's not just um this is going to be this is going to be very inside baseball for for academics uh, so i apologize to any listeners who are who are just you know just comic fans but one thing <laughs> that uh, and, and that i don't mean that in a negative way i mean this is in a, yeah, in a positive yeah. way once, it, once it's going to be very obvious once uh, once i say this um <laughs> being an academic is lonely in a lot of ways the way our job is supposed to work is you're supposed to think deep thoughts about something for six months and then you're supposed to write about it and publish it in a journal that sees the light of day a year after you wrote it if you're lucky if you're lucky yeah it, it, if it, i mean sometimes a couple years sometimes more yep. um and so it literally is um there are things where somebody's like oh that thing you wrote and i'm like what thing i i mean Andrew, you made a joke about it on the show once. You're like, "Oh, I think I published on that before," and and you're oh, not yeah. joking. Years. You're, no, yeah, you're just, you're just you, like you you literally forget. Um, I read stuff that I wrote, and it's like, did I think that? Um, my point being, there the journals are not read by that many people. It's a very insular com community, and you find out the conversation that happens along it is when someone else reads something that you wrote, they have a thought and they, and they do the same thing. And then, so by the time you're reading their response to you, it's four, five years later, it easily can be. Um, so it's lonely. Uh, comic book geeks don't work like that in comic book fandom. You have a thought and you go and hang out at your local comic book shop on a Wednesday and you discuss it, or you do it on the internet. You do it on Facebook or Twitter or on a podcast. And, um, it's, I mean, it's, silly but um i i love being able to listen to simply amazing or the ex-wife podcast or you know some of these people who have been on our show like um uh, geppetto right like i like if i we can listen to our friends comic book podcasts and hear alternate takes about stuff and it's an it's an immediate feedback and i would extend that yeah. to the twitter conversations that happen with the reader i mean i guess 
uh, and we talked about this a little bit uh, a few weeks ago where I said, you know, Andrew's livelihood is Claremont. And you're like, I've never made any money. I'm like, yeah, but you're, no, yeah, but, 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 but it's, but, but it's like, yeah, but it's like, yeah, but you have an, you have an academic career such that it is because again, academia doesn't work the way people think it does, but like you're, you publish daily on Claremont and then people respond to you daily, which is amazing. And yeah. I am jealous of that. And this show gives us that to an extent. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. like my other show, like I said, it's, I'm, I, I'm frequently not an expert in whatever we're talking about. It's somebody else's research. Sometimes it's mine, but a lot of times it's someone else's research. This is, we talk about something every week. Um, and it's, it's always something I've read. It's always something I've thought about. And then being able to listen to academics and non-academics say, um, oh, did you think about this? Even when it's negative, and, and our listeners on the show are pretty good. Uh, Andrew Claremont, oh, yeah. the listeners aren't always. Some of them are a little meaner than ours have been. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even the it. mean, even the mean ones, I'm always like, okay, that person's got a point. I mean, I might disagree with it, but like, it's it's interesting to me to be able to see someone say. You're just making this all up, you know, because I mean, we talked about this, you know, the when back when Andrew invented Gainus and, and X books, you know, and people got mad at you for two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for inventing LGBTQness um, and queerness. But, you know, the fact that someone might not see those things is interesting to me. So I like the I like the immediate feedback that we get or, you know, relatively immediate because we yeah. we usually it's, it's usually a conversation from three weeks ago for us by the time the listeners hear it. But that's still better than you know, two and a half years. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. For, for me, it's even more specific. Like, like I'm a comic scholar. I find reading comic scholarship really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. And my favorite comic scholar is Anna, which is really <laughs> weird. And I kind of hate that sometimes. Oh God, that can't possibly be true. Andrew. Oh no, that's true. And so then like, Anna's like, hey, do you want to come be on this podcast? And it's like, if you have a favorite film director who says, want to come hang out on set, not just go <laughs> see the movie. Because I'm going to get in a scholarship and viewpoint, like like immediately that immediate mm. feedback, that's awesome. <laughs> and then Mav, I was a big fan of um, Vox Pop, obviously. I had met you at PCA, mm -hmm. but specifically on Facebook, the way that you interact with the Vox Pop fans, just the gregariousness and the kindness, and occasionally just body slamming trolls. I can't. Um, I was like, yes, <laughs> I, I I would love to just talk to this person every I, week. That'll be fun. I hope. I hope. And it's weird because it's, I mean, this is, you know, I'm, this is on the Vox Pop YouTube channel. So I hope this is not too weird, but I think I'm nicer on GGW than I am on Vox Pop. <laughs> and, and, and I, I think you are. And it's intentional. Um, there's a, again, I'm a professional wrestler. I, as a scholar, I'm a professional wrestler. And, and I'm, and I'm much more comfortable being the heel. And it works to you know there's only the three of us on this show and i've got five well four other co-hosts so five of us total on, on vox pop and um we take more weird political things and i can just be mean and i and it's i i i try not to do that in this space as much like i'm not and we don't have random trump MAGA trolls just like wandering in the way that I do on my blog or on, on my Facebook right. page to where I'm not I'm not going to just I, I don't want to just roast people but 
I will. And, it, and it's so it, it's 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 very bizarre. I had somebody, a, a friend of mine um, ask or a, a professor actually was like, well, what's your process for coming up with a with an article? And everybody was talking about it. And I was like, well, I float the idea on Twitter or, or Facebook and then I just read all the comments and then that helps shape my thoughts. And 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 um, uh, Jim Purdy is a professor of mine. And he's like, well, you know, so how long does that take? And I was like a day or two. And he's like, a day or two? How, how can that possibly? And then finally, my friend Becca says, okay, I don't think uh, Dr. Purdy understands what's going on. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, <laughs> okay. You, and, I, and I said, Mav, he thinks you're talking about responding to two or three people. And I was like, oh, no. And, he, and he's like, well, how many Facebook responses do you get? And I'm like, uh, I mean, on average, 100. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, how do you do? It's like, I don't know. It's just, I say something and I try to say it funny and then like people argue with me and like sometimes they're, and the best people are the stupid ones because then they, they give me a lot of, you know, Kinda, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, give, they give me a lot of things to think about um, for when I actually do want to go and do the real work. So, so I kind of, and Anna, you run the GGW Twitter, so like I don't have to answer anything. So it's nicer because I can just be like, oh, I'll only answer the people that I want to in a way that I, when I'm being at Chris Maverick, I can't do that, right? I have to deal with all, all people. <laughs> so it's been nicer. You're, you're, you're a good filter. <laughs> well, yeah, I like sort of doing stuff on the podcast account a little bit more too, because I just, like, I'm, I'm still pretty new to Twitter. I joined Twitter last fall just to promote my book and mm-hmm. was like terrified of joining. Cause I mean, you know, again, part of, and this relates to something I was saying earlier, but you know, part of what has been really valuable, but always scary for me about doing something like this is just putting myself out there and like being public with my opinions and, you know, having, you know, a stake in like the fan community in that kind of like public way, because that's something that still terrifies me. Like I don't do a lot of fan conversing on Twitter and stuff because it's just way too scary. I mean, we've talked in the past when we talked about fandom, you know, like that even like message boards in the past were really scary for me. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it's been a process to kind of get to the point where I even felt confident sort of talking about my comic book opinions sort of outside of the context of an academic conference. And even the first time I did that, you know, at an academic conference was terrifying. I was just like shaking. It was the first time I met Andrew. Really? Um, it was. <laughs> you seem very confident at conferences. You do. And, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, maybe you don't maybe. realize it. You come across as extremely confident at conferences. Well, Good that's chance. good to know. Yeah, yeah no, I, I get that feedback from people. But, but, you know, but, you know, part of it that's weird for me, though, and I mean, it's, it's you know, a weird time to talk about it today because the video episode, but like a lot of the confidence that I have in myself, and I think this is why message boards and podcasting is a little bit scary in particular, and, and writing to a certain extent, but, you know, writing, you get to sort of compose your thoughts, so it's a little bit different. But so much yeah. of the ways that I am able to feel confident in myself in myself like has to do with like the way I present myself so you know like if I put on a cool red jumpsuit to say that conference paper like I feel armored and I feel like I can do it mm-hmm. you know because I have that kind of protection and then when it's just your voice or like you're just like an anonymous thing in a comment thread you don't have that I mean you know comment thread you know or something is even scarier because you don't have you don't have your PhD to back you up. You're just somebody, right. right? And I do think that's really valuable. Like I've learned a lot from having that taken away and kind of, you know, having to just like explain yourself and, you know, converse with people without that protection. And I think that that's really valuable. But I think 
having to do the podcast and just kind of it be my voice and stuff has been valuable for me too. like to not sort of have that armor and have to get out of that a little bit. And again, it's always scary for me. Like, I mean, I really do get scared and especially I also thought the podcast would get listened to by 10 people. And then when it became clear that it was being listened to by more than 10 people, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> that that struggle of like I want people to listen to me but also I'm terrified that people listen to me is very real <laughs> and yeah I think that's something that I think a lot of pop culture academics when you're trying to do the public scholarship thing especially kind of tend to feel but um but yeah it's it's been an experience it's been a very educational experience in a number of ways and you know a positive experience in almost every way I mean you know there are struggles from time to time with confidence and whatnot but but yeah I mean yeah, we're not complaining. Yeah. Uh, anybody who no, who, no, no, like, no, if you no. Listen to our show. Thank you. Seriously. Yeah, seriously, seriously. <laughs> like we're not telling you that we want you to not listen. We're like, no, seriously. We're so grateful <laughs> that you get something out of this this little wacky show. But at the same time, yeah, definitely thought it would be like five people I knew and like you know maybe my mom. Sometimes <laughs> my mom has never listened to it, so I was wrong on that prediction. <laughs> my mom does not. Yeah, just, my my mom. Um, doesn't listen to this show and is more likely to listen to my other show when my wife is a guest than when I'm on it. She's like, well, you're on it every week. I'm like, <laughs> you know her phone number. You can talk to Stephanie whenever you want. She's like, yeah, but she's always got smart things to say. Thanks, mom. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's weird. I mean, it's it's the thing that we were just talking about where like, I love the immediate feedback, but also I just... You go into academia because you like this life of just like, uh, particularly not just the academia, but literary studies, the things that we do is yeah. I want to sit there and do the geekiest possible thing, right? Like it's nerdy programming computers. It's really nerdy when you're like, I'm going to read comic books and analyze them. Like that's a, that's a really nerdy, odd thing to do um, and lonely, like I said, but also you do it because you love books, not just comics, books in general. And and the way academia, the profession is set up, since it's set up around this publishing model, that um, it, it makes for what should be a collaborative experience, it makes for a very lonely kind of collaboration. And, you know, 2,000 years later, this podcasting thing seems to have figured out a way of fixing it. So, like, I love that we can... Uh, I, we love academic conferences, how we all met. When I met both of you at, you guys knew each other before, but I met you guys at PCA. Um, and yep. that's um, that's how we got to be friends. And what's great about something like PCA or any other academic, MLA, CSSC, like they're all just like, we're going to go and just talk about our thoughts on this nerdy <laughs> hobby that we've made into a profession by the grace of you know whatever gods you believe in <laughs> and i love that i can do this every week i really do it, it's so weird that anybody cares but i am super thankful that they do well god i mean i will say you know i mean we'll get a little bit like patting ourselves on the back here with it but i mean that i was just i could not believe that you both signed up to do this <laughs> like I was like, oh, Mav is way too busy. Like, he can't do this every week. I mean, I just, and then 
when Andrew, like, I assumed Andrew wouldn't want to be involved. I was like, oh, Andrew's like too much. Like, he's got his own thing going you have on. Children, and, like, man. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you're already they doing all the Claremont thing. And I was like, I just couldn't believe that you both wanted to do this. And like, even now, I'm like always like apologizing. I'm like, we're going to do an episode next week. Is that okay? I know you're both really busy, but we, we have to stay on schedule. I'm really sorry. And I'm like, that's like the tone of my texts to me. So it's gratifying to know that you both enjoy it so much. Very much so. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's somebody, you know, you know, if you love the thing you'll do, you'll never work a day in your life. And then it's, that's a lie. If you love the thing you do, you'll work all the time. But this is fun. This is, um, this is, it, it is the same. It, it's weird because my hobby, my biggest hobby is the same thing as my job, right? And, but uh, doing the show doing both shows i don't want to piss off my fans of my other show doing both shows is the fun part of the job right like it, it really is the it's where i don't have to sit there and look up foucault quotes to like justify everything i believe <laughs> you know like it, like it's it, it's being able being able to like sort of do this in the <laughs> abstract is is it's not that i don't have foucault just running in my head in kant and you know marx but like being able to like sort of do it real time with other smart people is super enjoyable personally <laughs> well can i ask you another hopefully enjoyable question about enjoyment um <laughs> segue <laughs> but like is there flawless i, I know it's so <laughs> flawless um but was again i i don't even like i'm, I'm like hedging on even asking this because I don't want to play favorite with favorites with our episodes but was there an episode that each of you sort of particularly enjoyed because there's definitely episodes that we've done where I've been sort of listening to everybody talk about the thing and I've just had like stars in my eyes and I'm like this is everything I've dreamed of for these smart people to be <laughs> sitting here talking about this thing that I love so much and without playing favorites we don't have to rank episodes or anything but did you have any sort of moments like that sort of things that you were particularly eager to discuss that you sort of, while we were discussing it, you're just like, oh my God, yes. Mojo Mayhem, because okay. I, I lobbied for that one and I, I was not subtle about it. I was like, hey guys, are we ever going to do Mojo Mayhem? And then a few days later, I'd be like, hey guys, isn't this like that scene in Mojo Mayhem? <laughs> hey, are we ever going to do Mojo Mayhem? Um, so so getting, getting to do that. Um, which is weird because it's kind of not even an Excalibur story, but it's like it's my favorite story, story with the word Excalibur on it. Yeah, it's entirely so that King was Price just story. just delightful for me. It was yeah, I was happy. I, uh, I was I was happy too. I we we originally tried to make that like a mega episode. We had two guests and one guest kind of couldn't make it, but I mean, you know, Gwen was amazing, so I mean, no regrets there. But mm -hmm. um, I hope it lived up to your hopes and dreams. Definitely. Yeah. Um. I. Again, I just love doing the show so much that it's not it's not particular episodes. The the thing that sticks out in my mind was that I cannot believe we, we Andrew and I got to have a conversation about how time travel works in relation to reverse, <laughs> which and I just oh, wow. and the fact okay. that people and the fact that people were into that because this is um this I think is maybe what people think that comic book scholars do and none of them do. Like I I didn't know that was organic. Um, Andrew said something and I was like, oh my God, I know this too. And then we just sort of, this, that yeah. wasn't in the notes. It was just sort of, we're both into this. Oh, I wouldn't have put about, that in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about how physics works. And it's just like, and it's like, 
I'm never going to get a chance to talk about this ever again in the rest of my life. So this is my moment right here. <laughs> and then we got some people like tweeting. It's like, oh, that's really fascinating. And it was like, is it though? Because I hope so. Because <laughs> we're talking yes. about it one way or the other. <laughs> it's how the world works. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. It's yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a, my, my roommate in college um, was a physics PhD student. And so I'm not, I'm still a good friend of mine. I'm I'm not like I know a few things that I've just picked up on, but it doesn't actually come up like in our day or at least not my day to day work at all. It's just this random thing that I have been fascinated by. So like um, I went out and learned a bunch about it and, and I was just like, I am going to be able to talk about it. I end up doing um doing one episode of the other show about it um just because after the fact i was like we're gonna go and i want to be able to talk about this some more so i went and found some people who knew stuff but but, but it's not it's just a it's just, it's a weird thing about how you know quantum theory works that like is really really fascinating and frankly i expended all of my knowledge on it between talking about it on the show like I, the, people people write actual dissertations here and i'm not that guy like i know a little bit about how you know um you, you know how how uh, causality works and that's it well i'm i'm glad that you enjoyed that i mean i mm-hmm. i i gotta go predictable and be like warlord. i really liked warlord. talking about warlord and <laughs> i mean I just, it was really gratifying to me. Like there have been a couple of issues that are really important to me. That's one of them. And we already recorded the episode on Excalibur 43. And that was another one that's really important to me. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm just so incredibly grateful that everybody comes and really brings their A game to it and really takes this thing seriously. I just, it's dumb because I mean, it's just a podcast, right? And I just like, you know, maybe I'm just in in the, in the holiday spirit or whatever, but it is, absolutely remarkable and my 10 years ago self would have thought this was the greatest thing that could possibly happen to me to have a podcast (laughs) where like people come and take this thing that I care about so seriously and are willing to discuss it with me and not just laugh at me for caring (laughs) so much and it's amazing I mean you know we get to do that. We're, we're lucky to have platforms as academics, mm-hmm. you know, we get to stand up in front of a classroom oh, yeah. and like lecture, lecture at students and make them <laughs> watch movies that we want them to watch. <laughs> want them to watch. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's just, you know, we have scholarly defenses for why we're watching those things, but you know, we teach, but we all teach pop culture. So yeah. it's always a little bit of ACA fandom working its way yeah. in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just, there were definitely moments in that conversation where I was just sort of listening to people talk and just being like, oh man. And like, I've just removed myself from the podcast and was just, <laughs> just a listener for a few moments and, you know, certain guests too, when they've just, you know, I, again, I don't want to play favorites, but definitely some of, some of the insight that, that Stephanie Burr brought to Kitty and Rachel's characters and yep. hearing Nola talk about sort of disability and X-Men. I mm-hmm. sort of really enjoyed some of those conversations a lot too. Um, we have some like listener questions and stuff that that we can do just talk about briefly and then we'll we'll wrap things up with just some updates about where we are sort of when you're into the pod um i mean we had a couple of questions about process and well here i'll just read it the way that it was written to us this is from jamie james wagner on on twitter they say 
how do you all manage to so consistently navigate your disagreements without ever being awkward or confrontational? Don't know if it's never <laughs> awkward, but I'll take their word for it. Um, there's never really any mom and dad are fighting vibes, despite a pretty steady supply of sometimes drastically different viewpoints. And actually, I liked that question a lot because, I mean, it gets back to something I think that Mav was saying too, that you're nicer on this show than on your other show. And I, I'm a bit tender, you know, like I'm a bit like I don't like conflict. So like, I wonder how much that's kind of me kind of just like imposing that on everybody. I like, like it to be sort of a, 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 a low emotions zone in some ways. But, but yeah, I don't know. Did you either of you have thoughts about that? Because that sort of gets at how you run kind of an academic conversation yeah. in general. Because I mean, yeah. some other podcasts are like very conflict oriented, especially sort of fandom podcasts and stuff. And ours very much isn't. And yeah, Andrew, go ahead. I uh, just going to say, I, I think it's, it's part of our training realistically, right? Like in order to be a good educator, you have to create safe spaces and, and you have mm -hmm. to create open dialogue where people are not, you know, confrontational or afraid of being confronted. Um, so for me, it's completely reflexive. Um, I, I, I was worried about that going in. I'm like, I don't fight with anybody. That's going to be boring as hell. But <laughs> I'm glad people people don't hate that. I again, okay. So he wanted Jamie James wanted inside baseball. So this is what this is. Um, <laughs> I uh, same thing. I I think. Um, I think Vox Pop, uh, I always explain it to people when, when we book show, guests on that show is, you know, this is not an academic show. This is the academics at the bar after the conference. Yeah. The first time either of you were on the show. That's, you know, that's really what this is. So we bicker, we argue, but that's part of the fun of it. Um, probably of my co-host, um, um, Hannah, not Anna, but Hannah is one of my co-hosts on the show. And I argue almost constantly. But that's the show. We love each other. Um, and when <laughs> when 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 she first joined the show, because she wasn't there at the beginning, somebody wrote and said, "Oh, please don't kick her off." And I was like, "Why would I kick her off?" And it's like, "Well, oh. you don't agree. You don't agree on anything." And it's like, "No, but I like her. That's why she's there. Like, that's the you know, like it's the fun of arguing with her is sort of that show. This show's not that. This show isn't at a bar. This show is." um the lounge you know it, it's very it, it is it, it is very this show is intended to be much more i i think of this show the way that if i were teaching a 400 level you know senior seminar on comics where we're going to do a deep dive on on uh one monograph written by you know a couple dozen people we, you know we're gonna do we're gonna spend the rest of the semester just talking about excalibur i would imagine it being like this where everyone's view is valid long as you like can support it and it's not um it's not uh as confrontational because that's not this show so i think andrew's right i think you know we're teachers like that's what we do and one of the things that i think is hard for people to who don't teach literature for a living to understand is um when you when, when i teach freshman course freshmen freshmen always enter going oh i don't want to say anything because i don't know what the right answer yeah. is and and you know and you're afraid by the time you're a senior and certainly by your grad student you're like eh, whatever you know i'm this is what this is my book <laughs> this is my reading of this book and i'm you know i'm right and 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 trying to get the freshman lit student to be where the grad student is is part of the job of, of the professor right like if i'm teaching a, a lit seminar i'm trying to get you to take a chance and um i've had so many i've, I've had a, i've had a, i had a non-binary student 
who once was, I don't remember what we were reading, but they were like, well, this is probably stupid. And I don't, I'm like, no, stop saying that. What you get out of this is what's important. I want you to bring your experience right. to it. I want you to, to bring your reading to it. I can't tell you what to think. Um, uh, if we're reading this book in this class, it's cause I picked it, which means, you know, I liked it. Um, and it might very well, you know, I see something in it, but that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm a 47 year old black man. I'm not a 19 year old non-binary kid. Like I'm not. And so you're going to have a different life experience from it. And that's, what's interesting. Um, there are little details on this show that just sort of, I'm always surprised whenever something political comes up because I'm in the minority in being an American, which is not usually true in academia or, in, <laughs> or, or, or on the internet. Usually being an American makes you in the majority, but like the two of you are Canadian. And so you guys always have a slightly different political view, which doesn't come up a lot, but it does come up and it matters. And um, since in comic world, you know, Marvel comic world, America is the default, even in a show, in a book that's supposed to be about Britain, it's very colored by American politics. So I think having your perspectives from outside that viewpoint is invaluable to me. So it's so that is is fresh and nice. And so I don't think it's I don't think it's arguing so much as it's just I'm I'm just happy to be here every week to learn. And so that's I, I don't know if that's a cop out to what he was asking, but that's how that's how I see it. Um, it's friendly because if it you know, if I didn't like I mean, arguing but like discussing this with you guys i wouldn't show up every week <laughs> you know like that's that's why we're that's why we're here it's why we want to do the show it's fun you know yeah absolutely i mean yeah definitely some of my experiences of you know because we've all we've all had the experience of like teaching difficult topics too and you know like yeah. thrown right into like you know, gender studies seminars and when you're teaching something like that sort mm -hmm. of the amount of sort of hmm, you can't separate a topic like gender studies from personal experience. Yeah. So if you're going to be talking mm -hmm. about gender or sexuality or race in a classroom, personal experience is always going to come to the table. And you're mm -hmm. sitting there with a bunch of like 18, nine year old, 19 year olds. Emotions are high. You just read a difficult book with, mm -hmm. you know, lots of rape. incest in it or something. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like something. Right. And you have mm -hmm. to sort of talk through it. And, and you know, you have to talk through painful stereotypes and, and this kind of thing. And I'm sure it's hard to quantify how that experience sort of dictates who we are now as people who discuss things, but I mean, it has to inform it. Right. I mean, yeah, we've mm -hmm. all like been through, been through the, the mill of that and uh, come out the other side in a sense <laughs> and are still doing it. Um, but, but yeah, um, a couple of other fun ones. Um, one of the ones that was, that we did get thinking about a lot was if we had to replace one member of the original Excalibur five with somebody else, another character, and I'm going to limit this to other characters from comics and not just people from history, because that would be a whole other question. But um, George Washington but should other... be on the team. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they always do a bit like that on comedy bang bang, where they're like, pick your SNL cast and it could be anybody from history. And like, it gets really stupid quickly. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but um, but yeah, I, I, I don't have a super good answer for this, but but I will do one. But uh, I'm curious if, if you had one because adding someone to the team is sort of easier. But like if you have to get rid of somebody to add somebody, that's hard. That's hard. Not, I can do it. 
in my okay. mind anyway i would get rid of megan um wow. really I, I think megan is largely a cipher for brian um and kurt i love the character dearly and what she does for that relationship but i would argue that a lot of what she does could be done with her being deceased or no longer present uh, and it would be actually kind of interesting to me to have that dynamic affect Kurt's, you know, anger towards Brian hmm. with regard to how he treated Megan and that kind of thing. So I, I think she could do a lot of what she's doing. Um, we're going to talk about this in the, the episodes that we have to come. Alan Davis really is the one who cultivates Megan's story. Um, Claremont didn't. He was using her more for um, impact on the other two characters. So I, I think there's room to remove her um, if you did it right. Who are you going to replace her with, though? Um, I think it has to be somebody who orients around grief because that's what Excalibur is. Uh, and, and that gives you some options. Um, Wolverine, Colossus within the X-Men um, could all work in that capacity. Um, obviously, Ileana, you could bring back. I wouldn't complain. Uh, <laughs> anybody along those lines, I think, would work. Mm -hmm. What was yours, Mav? Uh, I'd replace with Ileana for the same reason. Um, also because I think... I. I said the problematic nature of what her story is, but also she's she's my favorite and she was my favorite then. And <laughs> she was my favorite then. And what we don't talk about this much on the show because it's a show about Excalibur, not about new mutants, but um, Excalibur, the overlap of when Excalibur starts and when I just lose Ileana in real time, like when I'm reading it back then. Because. Yeah, it's pretty close. Like, basically, Excalibur starts, and, like, a year later, my favorite character is just reduced to... Uh, Seven-year-old Ilyana is a different character. She's effectively dead. The character that I loved was gone. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's... Um, so, I... So, I like grown-up Ilyana. I like grown-up Ilyana a lot. And... Um, complicated this is a whole show that we're, we're not going to do but much of <laughs> what i like about um the rachel kitty relationship is a replacement for the iliana kitty relationship and i don't think they're the same i don't think K kitty and i'm sorry i don't think iliana and ray are the same they're very different um and their relationships with kitty are very different but um i i I would be just as interested in seeing more development of the Kitty Ilyana relationship, um, particularly if they think Peter is dead, which they could have if I if I were writing the book from the beginning, mm -hmm. they would have thought Peter was dead. Um, I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff that one can write there in a way that um, I can I can lose the Rachel relationship in order to get that if I have to. Um, because when I was thinking about it, it's like, oh, the simple answer is Brian. I can't get rid of Brian. I think Brian's the most essential me member of Excalibur because no one likes him, right? I mean, Megan loves him. <laughs> but the but the fact that, like, Brian is the odd man out, I think, is what makes the story work. So you can't get rid of Brian from a narrative point of view. Um, and I think Kurt is grounding because more so than Kitty, Kurt, Kurt is the definitive X-Man. I think Kitty is the definitive reader surrogate. Um, and I think Megan is interesting in a way to make the Brian Kurt relationship work. So Rachel's the one that I feel like you can slot out for, 
you can do a lot of the same plots with Ilyana as um, being a, a powerful out of time kind of character that you can do with Rachel. Um, it's different, and I, I get why it's you know you'd end up with a different story, but otherwise the this exercise is pointless. So obviously it's going to be different, but it'd probably be the most satisfying for me if I if I'm forced to lose if I'm forced to lose one. Um, it'd be more interesting to keep both of them there to keep Kitty and yeah. Oh, yeah. and 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 uh, Kitty, Ilyana, and Rachel all on the team. But if I have to lose one, Rachel's who I lose. Yeah, I, I, there was, I saw a great fan art that was sort of, you know, for a, which I think is one of our listeners. Um, I'll, I'll find it. I can't think of it off the top, the top, top of my head, but it was sort of a Hanna-Barbera Excalibur cartoon. And yeah, Ileana was featured there as a member of the team hmm. um, with Colossus as well, which I thought would also be interesting to have both of them there, um, given how much that sets up for conflicts for Kitty. Uh, I did think that if we just had to add someone, we'd all pick Ileana, and I would as well. <laughs> Uh, but in terms of switching people out, I am intrigued by the fact that Claremont wanted Amanda Sefton on the team originally. I, I don't have like that. a good person that I would sub for out for. And, you know, we know the ways that Amanda is problematic. I actually don't have my Amanda painting behind me today. I switched out for another one, which is usually there. <laughs> but um, like her, despite the problematicness of that relationship. But I think I just got really thinking about and it doesn't work. This is a real like left field choice. But if I could swap like current Betsy Braddock, like Captain Britain, Betsy, Betsy Braddock, like out for Brian. Mm. And then we had it because it very much appeals to me have, being a, a team of all women plus Kurt. Um, so there's a little bit of a selfish <laughs> thing there. But also I can imagine, I can squint and imagine a different world in which it was an actually queer book. And some of these affections were allowed to happen in a queer vein. And could you imagine that love triangle that was like Megan and Betsy and Kurt, like instead, and you know, all the places that that could go. And I would love to read that as an AU fanfic, I will put it that way. If you're reading, and I I agree I agree with you that it really changes the dynamic because yeah. Betsy is not Brian, but I would read that. If you're reading current, you know, at time of recording, um, X books, there are there is, and I know Anna's sort of fallen off the wagon for various reasons, but there is sufficient reason to be shipping Ray and Betsy right now. Yes, yes, there is. I'm just trying to be vague enough for anybody who's catching up and you know non spoilers, but there's sufficient reason to where that could be an interesting story. And I always want, I always wonder it about the possibility be. of um, of romantically involved telepaths, just in general. Yes, that is an interesting question, and I mean, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on the like Betsy courtship, which is one that Claremont seems to like for whatever reason. And I don't really like know how I feel about that ship, but it is certainly a ship that exists in some people's mm -hmm. minds. But is there's, you know, looking ahead, there's a weird thing in the like final issue of Excalibur where like it's suggested that they're soulmates based on the organization of the wedding. And it's really out of left field. And you're like, <laughs> where did this come from? But we will talk about that in due course about a year and a half before we yeah. get to that. <laughs> um, I guess like that's pretty much it. We had another couple of questions, but but well, okay, no, I'll ask this one and then we'll just do the do the wrap up of some housekeeping things. But yeah, one of our listeners wanted to know because we're talking about Marvel and Excalibur on this podcast, obviously, do you have a favorite sort of DC character franchise that we obviously never get to talk about on this particular show? Franchise? Yes. And and we did talk about it because I've shoehorned it in several times. Yes. So people can people can probably guess. I love the Titans. 
<laughs> I love I love the Teen Titans. Um and um even beyond the Teen Titans cuz my current love of DC is complicated. Um my current feelings on the current DC universe, there's some good stuff, there's some bad stuff. Uh the Young Justice cartoon that's on right now, so good. So good. Um, and I definitely recommend it for anybody who's into um, the kinds of stuff that like if you enjoy my takes on the on this show, then I think you'd probably enjoy the Young Justice cartoon. So um, but uh, which is which it's called Young Justice. But in many ways, it's what I liked from the Wolfman Perez era Teen Titans. And um, yeah. And uh, so it's a very different book, but in a lot of ways, uh, very, very the same. I mean, you can, we've talked about, I also love the new units. And, um, so this is, this is why, um, so I, I, that's probably my closest one, young justice or teen Titans. How about you, Andrew? Um, Harley Quinn. I think Harley Quinn has a lot in common with the X-Men in that it's this ubiquitous franchise that most of the writing is not great. And some of it is badly misunderstood, um, mm. such as people who, who ship Harley and Joker still, which has not been a thing since like 92 or something like that. Um, but when Harley Quinn is written well, um, deeply symbolic character, really progressive, uh, can do just about everything. So, yeah, I'd go Harley. I legitimately don't read that many DC comics. I like read sort of like limited runs of things and then kind of move on. I've been very sort of into Martian Manhunter at various times, but he's such mm -hmm. a different character all the time that I have a hard time sort of keeping up with what he's up to. And <laughs> I used to be a really big fan of Hal Jordan Green Lantern. Oh, and yeah. it's 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 one of those choices where it's sort of hard to defend, but I often enjoy male characters who are performing maleness and Hal is a character that you can really sort of read a lot of queerness into in that way. I mean, it's like a common fan reading of the character and it's been sort of, sort of made canon by Grant Morrison recently with um, Hal and Sinestro. But um, he's a character that he has this masculine narrative of just, he's always trying to like live up to the idea that he has of his father. And it's such so trans, like it's so transparently performative and that sort of drew me to the character when he sort of came back uh, from the dead. And I got really into that run for a while and then really fell off of it and have not read Green Lantern comics for like five years, which is why I'm hesitant to still call him one of my favorite characters. And he's like an indefensibly, he's indefensible as your favorite Green Lantern because he's obviously terrible. Um, <laughs> but I was very into that character for a number of years to the point where I did wear a Green Lantern ring like every day for two years. And that was like <laughs> part of my look. Um, and I've really fallen off the bandwagon of that. But at a, for a time, he had a special place in my heart. A, a random choice for me. I know Martian Manhunter seems a little bit more predictable for me, but um, I I'm I, there's I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I like Hal Jordan. I think uh, I think that Hal Jordan, when written correctly, which is a caveat for pretty much any any character, comic book character yeah. uh, I think Hal Jordan has a lot of interesting things about it. So that's a good question that I had to think about. That's a good question, and like I should read more DC, but you know that DC Unlimited is still not available in Canada, so you know no. get on and that powers that be. Eh, it, 
it, it, I don't know that it's going to be available in the United States for much longer. <laughs> it's dying in many ways. It's not. It, it's not as good as it was. Um, once they moved, uh, clearly the the TV and movie stuff was supporting it. And once right. they moved that over to HBO Max, the comic-y part portion of it is kind of it's not it's not the same as Marvel's. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so. Marvel's has gotten better recently, and mm-hmm. since the update, they've gotten better as well. I find I use it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I'm starting to show for Marvel, but anyway, <laughs> Marvel Unlimited not not terrible, but actually yeah. still has a lot of issues. <laughs> balance like it out with some. Critique. If they would like to sponsor us, Disney, you know, <laughs> hey, of course, we can be bought. <laughs> All right, just some 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 sort of milestones to to finish up today about where we are ten months in on the podcast. Twitter accounts got six hundred and six followers. They can way more than I ever thought that we would have. We are just shy of fifteen thousand all time downloads um, on the podcast, which again is like kind of blows my mind. But the most important milestone that I want to touch on was the shirt campaign. And Mav and I are both wearing shirts yep, today, and you totally can't see them. Yeah, but there you go. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we have. Yeah. We Mine's have. Wash. Oh. Well, that means you did wear it, so that's that's also good. That's <laughs> true. But um, yeah. So we were doing the shirt campaign. Um, so they're hand silk screen shirts that I made. I made the silk screen. I've been printing each one of them by hand. So basically, what you're paying for when you pay for the shirt is my considerable time <laughs> to make each one. Um, and then we've been donating everything that's not um, shipping and materials is going to Planned Parenthood. So I'll be making a donation at the end of the month. Uh, I just waited until we had the sort of full monthly total and I'll make a d- donation in, in the name of Friends of the Gosh Galiwa podcast. So we have made, so this is the amount of the donation money like that is going to Planned Parenthood. We have currently made $696 Canadian, um, which translates into $541 uh, US. Which, you know, it's not going to change the world, but it is a significant donation and it feels really good to kind of uh, give back a little bit on an issue that's been upsetting me a lot this year, both in comics and outside of them. And it is not why I did the shirt campaign. I did it because I'm upset about real world events, but um, definitely there's a little bit of a little bit of a heart hearteningness that our podcast that talks so much about the importance of sexy nightcrawler um could raise money for Planned Parenthood at a time when he has expressed some rather upsetting views about reproductive rights in comics and again not the reason that I did it but I can't deny that that was sort of on my mind as (laughs) as I was printing shirt after shirt after shirt um but just thank you so 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 much for your support I mean again one of the things I talked about the very first time like I wrote an essay about Nightcrawler was the ways that stories in real life intersect and some of the really positive ways that that can happen you make friends by talking about comics you know you learn about yourself by talking about comics you become in theory smarter and a better person by talking (laughs) about comics like these things aren't just funny books they actually can do good things and the fact that we could raise that money with your help um, to do a good thing and hopefully help somebody in the real world is amazing. And just, yeah, yeah. Thank you just so, so much for your support, really. Um, and that's that's all I have for our special epic holiday video episode. I don't know when we'll do video at you again, but um, <laughs> assuming this edits together, okay, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Someday. <laughs> This was fun. Um, Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate in December. I mean, I guess this is um, 
it's for the listeners this is christmas day i think yeah it should, should be coming out assuming christmas you listen day. to it on the, on the day that like it drops so um yeah assuming you're not you know hanging out with your family or doing something else friends you know you're just you, sitting here listening to our podcast you love us podcast. more than you love your family admit it everybody <laughs> <laughs> so, mom dad we can't open presents i can't eat dinner i have to go listen to nerds talk about funny books <laughs> oh i'm uh, i'm already dealing with the stress of andrew saying that i'm his favorite comic book critic so i can't possibly deal with the stress of, of somebody choosing me over their family so yeah just enjoy your holidays everybody and and yeah just thank you thank you <laughs> bye <laughs> <laughs>